Back in book 1 John is where we're at after a little bit of a break here. We've got a couple more chapters to go after today. And so we'll be continuing, Lord willing, next week. But remember our overarching theme as we go through the book of 1 John. As we look at 1 John, John has written to believers, to people who are already born again, to people who are already Christians. But our theme is, as we go through this book, how do I know I'm a Christian? 1 John can help us answer those questions. How do I know I'm saved? And so we've made a list as we've went through the first couple chapters of things that we can look at, hold on to, and grab hold of to know and be secure in our salvation. So we're going to go through that list just as a reminder. Number one, we believe in who Jesus is. It starts there. Without that, nothing else matters. So number one, we believe who Jesus is. Number two, how do we know we're a Christian? We have fellowship with God and other believers. Number three, we walk in the light of Jesus. Number four, we know we are Christians because we, re- sorry, because we recognize and are convicted of our sin and we confess those sins. Number five, we believe Jesus is faithful and just to forgive those sins. Number six, we obey Jesus' commands. Number seven, we don't hate our brothers. And number eight, I think I missed this one the last time, uh, so we'll add it today. Christians don't love the ways of the world. And so that's the, the, the way we've been heading and looking at the book of John. How, how can we have confidence in, in who we are as Christians? And so what's going on with this book of, or this group of believers that uh, John is writing to is there are antichrists among them. We saw that in chapter two, people who are against Christ. They're fakes, and it's causing some questioning. It's causing some doubting, and so John is lifting them up. He's giving them confidence in who they are and what they believe, and so at one point in chapter two, it's, it's, uh, if you remember, it's almost like <clears throat> John is, is a coach of a, of, a, of a sports team, and he's coaching them up before a game, but it's so much more serious than that. It's not a game. It's life as a Christian. And so in chapter 3, we're to the halfway point of of the book of 1 John. John gets really focused on who they are and what they should look like and what that should look like. And so we're going to read chapter 3 of 1 John and then we'll we'll take a look at it. And so follow with me if you have your Bible in 1 John chapter 3. And it says in verse 1, How great is the Father that is lavished. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure." Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning, and no one who continues to sin has either seen him or know him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning." The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, because he has been born of God. 
this is how this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This is then how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is the command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. And so we're going to roll back. We're going to start in verse 1 and go down through this chapter. Once again, it's a letter, right? Um, when, we read, when we read these letters, think about it as a whole thing. It's, easier, it's easy to break it up into chapter and verse. That, that's, that's easy. It makes it easy to follow. But when you sit down at home and maybe read through 1 John, it's a continuing thought. So everything that comes bef came before and everything that come after, it's, it's a letter. That's how you read it. And so we're going to look at just chapter 3 today, but uh, sit down. I would encourage you to sit down and read 1 John. It doesn't take very long. So verse 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Children of God. That's the title of the sermon this morning, Children of God. Very simple. There may not be a more amazing verse in the whole Bible. Think about what that's saying there in verse 1. A child of God. In chapter 2, uh, verse 28, John appeals to the church to be confident and unashamed in the appearing of Jesus. Here is that confidence. He puts it, in puts it on paper, with paper and ink. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. We were at en enmity with God, and yet he saved us. And not only did he save us, he lavished his love upon us. As a Christian, as a Christian, you are a child of God. John says, that is what we are. I don't know what else you can say about such an amazing thing. That's about the highest thing that can be said about any person, is that they are a child of God. So Christians, you are worth something. You are worth something to God. And so we live in this world where people don't know who they are. They're not happy with themselves. They're searching for their identity. They have no identity. But if you are a Christian, you are a child of God. God knows who you are. That's who you are. And so no matter what comes along in life, you are a child of God. Now the world, 
The world doesn't get that. The world doesn't understand that because they're not a child of God. It's a concept that is foreign to them. But we, right, John's telling these believers, you know who you are. We can say that. We know who we are. We are children of God. Now in verse 2, John continues, he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but in places like Acts 11, it says the angels question the disciples, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And so, as Christians, we wait. We're not there yet, but we have hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. And when he does, we will know and see what it looks like to be a child of God and the full blessings of being a child of God. So what we will be has not been yet made known. When we live in a dark world and we still fail and we still falter, but one day we will see Jesus and we will understand fully. That's the hope. That's what we're waiting for. That day Jesus returns. And so, as, as John continues here, because of that hope, we need to live like a child of God. Look at verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so as we were making that list of, of what it means to be a Christian, how we know we're a Christian, number nine is we want to be pure as he is pure. And when we look to Jesus, we see that example. First uh, Peter, Peter talks about that. Just back a, a, a book or so, a few pages. In First Peter, this is what John, or Peter says about this. In First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. There's that hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish. When Jesus comes back, that's what we will be looking for. That inheritance. And it says, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come searched in intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even the angels long to look into these things. Therefore... Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, 
do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So Peter uh, speaks very similarly to what John is saying. We, as Christians, everyone who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. And so Peter, he says, be holy because I am holy. And that's speaking out of, Peter's quoting the book of Leviticus there. And so Peter's holiness that he's talking about and John's purity that he's talking about are related things. They're related words. It's the same thing. This purity, this holiness. And so what does it mean then to live like a Christian? Well, we strive to do what is right. We strive to do what is good. We strive to follow the truth. And so we should see maturity, growth in our lives and be more like Christ and less like the world, right? And so we're going to expand our, our point number nine a little bit. Christians strive to do right, to do good, to follow the truth. And we should see maturity and growth in our lives, be less like the world and more like Jesus. In verses four and five, uh, John continues, everyone who sins breaks the law, in fact. Sin is lawlessness, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. John speaks to the point, sin is sin. We defined that a few weeks ago. We defined sin as rebellion against God. John here, uh, he defines it as lawlessness, breaking God's law. Jesus takes away that sin. We know what sin is, and we know the answer to it. The answer to sin is Jesus. That's the answer. We're sinful. He's not. He took care of that for us. Number 10, we know we are Christians because we believe our sin is gone, and we live like it. We do what is right. We've already said we still sin, right? When we become a Christian, we, we said this previous we still sin. But, but, as Christians, there should be growth in our life. There should be a hunger for holiness, a hunger for purity. And there better be a way, there better be a change in the way we look at sin and the way we look at ourselves. Being a Christian is a life change, and we better be living like it. Follow with me there in verses 7 through 10. It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Remember, these people had problems because there were antichrists in their church. People that were leading them astray, telling them false things. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. And so John points out this contrast of right and wrong, this difference of, of God and the world, God and the devil. What is a, things that are of God and things that are of the devil? of the devil. John is saying, don't get caught up with sin. Don't get caught up with things that Satan is putting in front of us. Do not be led astray. Pay particular attention there to verses 8 and 9. Uh, Jesus destroyed Satan's work at the cross, 
And the sins of the Christian are paid for. There's no more, there's no more payment or punishment needed if you're a child of God. Verse 9 again. It says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Christians are born of God. We are God's seed, his offspring, children of God. Nothing can change that. The debt is paid. And so it's amazing that God does that for us. As sinful, corrupt people, God did that for us. He made us a child of God. Now what Satan wants is the opposite of that. He wants us to doubt in Jesus. He wants us to wallow in our sin. That is not what God wants. Jesus wants us to understand that the seed of God is in us. John's pointing that out here, that, that there is no more payment needed. Jesus destroyed Satan's work at the cross, and the sins of the, of the Christian are now paid for. So there's no more penalty. Now take confidence in that as a Christian, right? That's what this is to do. John is writing to these folks to help bolster their faith. And so take confidence in the fact as Christians that your sins are paid for. They're done. Past, present, future, they're done. Jesus paid it all, once for all. And so in verse 10, the distinction as John goes on, the distinction here is very stark. This is, how, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. It's black and white. People who don't do right are not a child of God. So what does that look like? What does that look like? We all have times when we falter and fail. It's very simple what the answer to that is. What, what does being a child of God look like? Love. That's it, love. If you don't love your brothers and sisters, you are not a child of God. John's very blunt about these things. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. And so, John's message never changes. Look at verse 11. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. The message doesn't change. It's still the same message from chapter 2 that Jesus had gave to him. Love one another. In John's context here, he's speaking to Christians, saved people, and he's calling them to love one another. In verse 12, he gives another example of what not to do. He says in verse 12, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And yet, why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So that story's clean back from the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. A brother murders a brother. John's telling us that we are to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to love one another. The story he offers here of what not to do is Cain and Abel. They're brothers. Abel offered the best that he had, the firstborn of his flock to God. The Bible says Cain brought some of his fruits. It's, it's, when you read it, it's kind of it's strange, strange to read because it says Abel offered the first fruits, the best of his flock. Cain brought some fruit. That's, what he, that's how he felt about God. And Abel's offering, and the difference is, and we learn this from Hebrews chapter 11, Abel's offering came through faith and by faith. Cain's did not. And so 
God, if you read this back in Genesis, God even warns Cain about his anger and not to let it control him. But he did. And a brother kills a brother. Whether it was jealousy or pride that that drove Cain to this murder, we don't know. What we do know is Cain had no faith. He had no faith in God, and he belonged to the evil one. John tells us that. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. So the warning here for Christians, for believers, don't be like Cain, raises the question then. How do you feel about your brothers and sisters in Christ? How do you feel and act towards fellow believers? Do you act like the world towards fellow believers, to brothers and sisters? Because you know how the world works. They hate Christians. That's no surprise. But how do we act? Do we act out of love or hate? If our actions are out of hate, we better be checking ourselves out. Am I really a Christian? if that's how we react and act to things. And so don't be like Cain, is what John's saying. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So number 11, we know we are saved because we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love other Christians. Uh, Number seven was we don't hate our brothers and and sisters in Christ. But the other thing is you might not hate them. You better love them. You better love your brother and sister in Christ. And so that's number 11. Number seven is we don't hate our brothers and sisters in Christ. Number 11 is we better love our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we don't love, if we hate, we're no Christian at all. When we look in the mirror... Who do we see in the mirror? Do we see, when, we're, when I'm looking at myself in the mirror, who do I see? Do I see somebody who attacks and tears down and has hatred for other believers? Or someone who loves and cares for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit, right? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things should be in our lives when we look in the mirror. When we're honest with ourselves, those are the things that we want to see. We want to see the fruit of the Spirit in our words and our actions, and those fruits should show up in our lives. Because look at verse 15. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. How do we know what love is then? What's the example if we are to love a brother or brothers and sisters in Christ, what is the example of that love? This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. We should be no different. That should be our attitude. Verses 17 through 18 is this love in action. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Love in action. It's just not through our mouths. 
believers see another believer hurting and they have pity on them. And not just in word, but in action. John highlights that in verse 17. If, if you can ignore another Christian in need, or if I can ignore a Christian in need, am I a Christian at all? John's saying if you claim it, you better be doing it. If we claim to love our brothers and sisters, you be, we better be taking care of them. Brothers take care of brothers. Family takes care of family. That's what the body of Christ is. That's what the church is. So the church isn't a building or a social club or a business. That's not what the church is. The church is a family, and families love one another, and they take care of each other. And this applies to all churches, not just here. This applies to everybody that's a Christian. And so there should be action to our claim of being a Christian. Verses 19 through 22. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth, and that we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. So, this is number 12 on our list. It starts out, this is how we know. And so number 12 is, this is how we know we're a saved person, a believer. In light of all John has just said right here, one thing that we know as Christians is that God is greater than our heart. And that's number 12. We rest in that fact that God is greater than our heart. Our hearts can be swayed. And we need assurance of heart. Well, the assurance is God's greater than our hearts. We know who and what we are as Christians. And we know we can get all mixed up. But God will not. God will never say, I don't know how to handle this situation. God will never say that. God will never say, I don't know what that person needs. He won't say that. Because he knows us. He made us. And so those things will never come from God. He won't say it. We can have confidence that he will supply what we ask because we are children of his. Look at it again there. It says, dear friends, Verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his command and do what pleases him. It doesn't mean God is a genie in a bottle that just grants wishes. That's not how that works. We ask as Christians, as believers, he hears and he gives us what we need because he knows who we are and what we need. His children obey his commands and this is the truth. The truth gives our hearts confidence. So as we go through life and we kind of falter and fade, as a child of God, we can take comfort in knowing that he knows exactly what's going on and he knows exactly what we need. And we need to have the confidence to go to him and ask for those things. Once again, it's not going to be, hey, I need a new Corvette. <laughs> He's, you know, that's not... That's not how that works. But he knows what our heart needs. He knows what we need to survive. He knows what we need, whether it's healing, whether it's spiritual needs. He knows those things. And so our hearts can be at rest in that confidence. And so as we continue on here, he says, 
in verse 23, and this is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded. This is the command. Verse 23, remember a couple weeks ago in 1 John 2? John tells us about this command that's an old command and yet a new command. At that point in John's letter, he didn't really, he didn't really define what that was. He didn't really tell us what it was. And so we looked at some other scriptures to come up with an answer. And we said, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. John now tells us what that command is, and guess what? Sounds same thing. And this is the command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. And so... John tells us about this command, the old command, yet a new command. And now John says it. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That's the command. If you live by this command, you are saved. This wraps together all those things in that list that we've been making. We know it by the Spirit. Our actions, our reactions, our life, our worldview are now dictated by knowing Jesus, by being saved, by being a Christian. This is where our hope is. John kind of ties everything together here. Mid-letter, he kind of ties all this stuff together. And once again, what was number one on our list? You better know who Jesus is. Right? You better believe in who Jesus is. That was number one. And so John, he kind of ties these things together in a pinnacle kind of mid-letter five chapters kind of chapter three he, he kind of wraps it all up he has more to say and we're going to look at that over the next couple weeks about what else he has to say about this but as we end here this morning as we think about this when we look in that mirror who are we Right? Can we go and say, yes, I am a Christian? Because you know what? This is what I believe. This is the truth. I do believe in Jesus Christ. And guess what? Live like it. We can live like it. He doesn't leave us hanging. We can live like we are Christians. And so, close here this morning. How do I know I'm a Christian? How do I know I'm saved? Number one, we believe in who Jesus is. Number two, we have fellowship with God and other believers. Number three, we walk in the light of Jesus. Number four, we know we are Christians because we recognize and are convicted and confess our sins. Number five, we believe Jesus is faithful and just to forgive those sins. Number six, we obey Jesus' commands. Number seven, we don't hate our brothers and sisters. Number eight, we don't love the ways of the world. Number nine, we want to strive to be pure as Jesus is pure. We want to see that growth. We want to see us becoming holy as Jesus is holy. Number 10, we believe our sin is gone and we live like it. Right? We said Satan's going to tell you, hey, it's no good. It's, it's, you're, you, that, you, you, you're, you're worthless. You sinned. That's not what Jesus says. That's not what John's saying here. John's saying that your sins are done. If you're a Christian, your sins are paid for. One time. That's all it took. Jesus is the Son of God. It only takes him one time to get rid of sin. 
So we believe our sins are gone and we live like it. Number 11, we love our brothers and sisters and we want to help them. We want to take care of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And number 12, as a believer, we know that God is greater than our heart and our heart can rest in his presence. We can be calm. Whatever's going on outside in this world, when you're flipping through the TV channels and you stop on the news and you start to get all wound up, God's got it. He knows. When you go to the doctor and you get that report that you don't want to hear, God knows. He's got it under control. We can take heart in that. Our hearts can rest in his presence. And so believe that, right? Live like it. As Christians, live like that. And so we're going to continue on next week. We'll hit chapter 4, God willing, and chapter 5. But as you go out this week, as you're out and about, have some confidence in who you are. You're a child of God. Who, who's going to come against you, right? You're a child of God. It doesn't matter what they do to you. You're a child of God. You believe it? Hope so.